U.S. Representative Alyssa Slotkin serves the people of the 8th Congressional District of Michigan, a district that spans Ingham, Livingston, and North Oakland counties. The major cities include most of Lansing, East Lansing, Brighton, Howell, Clarkston, Lake Orion, Rochester, and Rochester Hills. That would include then, of course, Michigan State University. So it's a privilege to welcome MSU's representative in the U.S. House, Alyssa Slotkin to MSU Today. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Give us a little bit of your background and your career path to representing Michigan's 8th District in the U.S. House. Sure. Um, Well, it's it's kind of, I think, an unusual path. Um, I'm a national security person by training. I I happen to be in New York City on 9-11 in grad school when 9-11 happened, and it totally changed my outlook and my life. And Within a year, I was recruited by the CIA to be a Middle East analyst. And a year after that, I was on my first of three tours in Iraq. Um, so I was a CIA analyst um, and went back and forth, you know, on these tours, met my husband in Iraq. You know, I say where every good girl meets her husband in Saddam Hussein's palace. Um, and uh, and then I uh, switched and I went over to the Pentagon and I was working um, for the Secretary of Defense, multiple secretaries of defense, um, and was there for seven years and left as an acting assistant secretary of defense. So I was all in national security um, and, frankly, very apolitical. You know, you really have to be careful. There's all kinds of laws that govern um, politics in the workplace when you work for the government. I was married to an army colonel, so um, he also had those same rules. So I was pretty apolitical. Um, But 2016, I just felt like the tone and tenor of the campaign, that whole presidential campaign, felt, frankly, just unbecoming of um, the country that I served and the country that we all love. Um, And so uh, I started thinking about, um, you know, coming home to Michigan. Um, I'd been between D.C. and the Middle East for for many, many years. And um, was frankly looking for a job in the private sector and just started getting more involved politically and just learning more about my local representative and how he was voting and what he was doing in the community and started thinking about running. And I guess the rest is history. Well, then, and so what ultimately motivated you to run? Well, you know, I was pretty reticent as I was going to all these political meetings um, and events for the first time. You know, I to be honest, I just didn't understand money in politics. I mean, we have the worst campaign finance system that you could make up. I mean, it's it's really horrible. Um, and so I had never raised money for any political cause forever. As a CIA officer, I had been very careful on, you know, engaging with charities. And so I was reticent to get in until May of 2017. And May of 2017 was the first time the House of Representatives voted to repeal the ACA or Obamacare or the thing I really cared about, which is protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Um, and that one was really personal. Uh, my mother died in 2011 of ovarian cancer in suburban Detroit. And when she was diagnosed, she did not have health care. She had let it lapse. Um, she had struggled with health care her whole life because she had a pre-existing condition. She got breast cancer when I was a little, little girl under four uh, she was 31 years old. She had a double mastectomy. And for the rest of her life, she had a pre-existing condition of that early cancer. So when she lost her job in 2002 in suburban Detroit, she lost her insurance. And because of her pre-existing condition, could not afford the insurance on offer to her. 
Um, she went five and a half years with no insurance, no checkup, no gynecological exam. Um, in 2008, my brother and I helped her get insurance. It was $1,000 a month and a $10,000 deductible. So her highest bill, higher than a rent. And in 2009, without us knowing, in the summer, she let it lapse and paid another bill. And in September of 2009, walked into Henry Ford and was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. So um, I'm sure many of your listeners know what it's like to have a loved one get a terminal diagnosis. Your life as you know it explodes. And that same week and that same month that my life was exploding was the same week and the same month that we spent filling out the paperwork for her to declare bankruptcy. So uh, fast forward to May of 2017, I'm watching live on CNN. There's a Rose Garden ceremony because the house had just repealed the ACA and protections for people with pre-existing conditions. And I could see the man who I would ultimately go on to run against in the third or fourth row. And he was having this great day. He was smiling and happy and it just broke me. And I turned to my husband and I said, no, um, you don't get to ignore your constituents, vote against their interests and keep your job. Uh, we have a term for that in the military. It is called dereliction of duty. It is a fireable offense. Um, we decided that day we were going to fire him. And in November of 2018, we fired him. That's it. <laughs> That's what got me in. Has anything either good and or bad surprised you being in Congress? Mm, a lot has surprised me. I mean, first of all, I didn't run for Congress because I thought it was all going great up there. You know, it it's um it is definitely a body that could use a new generation that thinks differently and works harder and remembers first and foremost that they are public servants. Um, so getting to Congress, um, one of the things that surprised me really, really right off the bat, you know, you have like orientation, orientation, freshman orientation. And um, I realized that out of 435 members of Congress, because of gerrymandering, the vast majority, like maybe 380 members are really from either hardcore Republican or hardcore Democratic districts. So they actually are not incentivized to work across the aisle. They are not, um, it's not in their interest. What they're worried about is a primary challenger to their left or to their right. So there's about, you know, 50 or 60 of us who are from truly swing districts, competitive districts, independently minded districts. And we um, kind of find each other because our constituents want us getting things done. And in order to do that, you must work across the aisle, especially now. Um, so, um, you know, I ended up very quickly joining something called the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans. You can only get in. It's like Noah's Ark. You have to find a Republican partner, um, someone of the other party, and you walk in, you know, one by one together, link arms, one Democrat, one Republican, and we meet every week and work on legislation. And that's kind of um, the most productive time of my week. Um, so it surprised me how many people were just, they didn't think it was part of their job to work across the aisle. And that's just not uh, the cloth I was cut from. Michigan State University's representative in the United States House of Representatives, Alyssa Slotkin, is my guest on MSU today. And so what things are you looking to work on the rest of this Congress? Well, uh, listen, my priorities are the things that I get pulled over in the grocery store about. The price of health care, the price of prescription drugs, um, clean water, both our lakes and our rivers, but of course our drinking water, 
Um, and then um, bringing some sense of civility and decency back to government. Those are the things that are just the most common things that people raise with me when I'm out on the street. Now, those are still my priorities, but of course, like everybody, COVID-19 is changing the landscape drastically. Um, right now, it's about figuring out how to safely and responsibly manage risk so that we can get our economy back moving again. It's about stimulating our economy so that they are there are jobs and good jobs for people to go to. Um, and it's about making sure that this recession that we now find ourselves in is short-lived um, and that we don't repeat the mistakes that, that really were made um, in the first round of the COVID-19 crisis. And there, there I got to tell you, my new obsession, especially on legislation, is supply chains and bringing some of our manufacturing base back to the United States, especially on medical supplies and pharmaceuticals. Um, it was, you know, the chickens came home to roost during COVID-19. I had nurses calling my phone lines, bawling into the lines because they were sharing one N95 mask with their whole unit, um, sharing gowns, not having any gloves. I mean, it's a 78 cent mask. And I spent the first month of COVID-19, frankly, haggling with middlemen in line in, at, at factories in rural China and then figuring out how to work with the state to bring plane loads of that stuff back and how to get them to our local hospitals. Um, and, um, you know, I tell people I kind of set up a booth in the Star Wars bar and every weird monster came by and said, I got a guy who knows a guy who can get you gloves, who can get you masks. And if you stand back and think about that, that is just nuts. Um, we, have to, we have outsourced our supply chains so drastically that when we needed it most, we didn't have basic equipment. So I'm all about bringing some of that manufacturing back here. We have the base in Michigan. We've been trying to tell people for a generation that if you outsource too much, the chickens will come home to roost, and they have done that, and we got to fix that. It's clear you have a passion for serving those of us in, the, in Michigan's 8th Congressional district representative Slatkin. So thank you for your, your hard work. And we are talking, as I've said a couple of times on MSU today, I'm curious being in your district, what do you see as MSU and maybe even all of higher education's challenges and opportunities ahead? Well, just like everyone, I mean, uh, MSU, um, which is the biggest university in, in my district by far, um, but universities and colleges across the, the state are struggling across the country with the drop in revenue brought on by COVID-19. And um, I have uh, established quite a, a consistent relationship with President Stanley and with the other um, heads of schools across the district because we were talking so frequently about how we get some support um, for our universities. And um, we were able, through the CARES Act, through one of our big pieces of legislation, to bring in just over $29 million um, for MSU um, it also, you know, suspended federally backed student loans um, until September 30th. It stopped our students from accruing interest on those loans. Um, it, it, it said that half of that nearly $30 million had to go to students who are now finding themselves in very different economic situations. Um, and, and to be honest, um, what we need to do now is make sure that the state allocation of funds, you know, to MSU comes through at the level that, you know, that you all were planning on. Um, and 
That only happens if the federal government comes in and helps states cover lost revenues from COVID-19. Um, that is a topic of much debate in D.C. right now. Um, the House passed a bill that would help cover our $6 billion shortfall here in Michigan. I had the governor texting me the day of the vote, like, please, we need this so much. Please vote for this. Um, and, um, and But it hasn't been taken up in the Senate. So Senator McConnell will need to make a decision that he wants to have uh, a negotiation on this. My guess is he will, because you're going to start to see some pretty scary pronouncements on layoffs of potentially teachers, fire, police, first responders, public health officials, everyone on the front lines of COVID-19. Um, and I don't think anyone wants that. So um, uh, my guess is we will get to a compromise, but only when we get to that compromise is the state of Michigan going to be able to honor its obligations to places like Michigan State, especially as a land-grant university. So more to follow on that, but those are big challenges ahead for the community. And I know one you've expressed concern with is the whole student debt issue. Oh, yeah. Well, this one was, you know, precedes COVID-19. I think that's the the interesting thing about COVID-19 is, is that it took all the inequalities and, and issues in our system and put a big old spotlight on them. I mean, really exacerbated them. And, um, you know, uh, student debt is a massive problem. It is affecting the choices um, of our students as they come out of universities. It's keeping them from being the next, you know, Steve Jobs who invents and and comes up with the next big idea. They're, they're constantly thinking about covering that debt. And it's a significantly higher than, than the previous generation's debt load. Um, and um, so I'm a big believer that getting a student loan is not like getting a loan to build a new deck on your house. It's an investment in your future. So all loans should be capped at 2.5%. They just aren't the same as, as other kinds of loans. Um, and then um, all kinds of uh, work share programs, programs that incentivize companies to help train their workforce and pay for education, um, especially if you're going to go into a really tough field, if you're going to go into, let's say right now, nursing. Um, uh, if you're going to go into certain in-demand fields, then you should have help with your tuition. shouldn't have to take out those loans. So um, there's um, lots of ideas out there, um, but uh, it's become much more urgent because so many of our students are now seeing that they were laid off, their parents were laid off, their economic security has fundamentally changed in the span of three months. Um, so we're going to be doing quite a bit of talking about this in the next few day, in the next few months in Congress. And Representative Slatkin, it seems like these two-year House terms are, are over before they started. I'll bet you feel that way. You are running for re-election. Make your pitch to be re-elected. And what's, it's obviously, it's an extension of everything we've talked about, but what's, what more do you want to work on in the next session? Well, I mean, for me, um, we got to bring down the price of prescription drugs. That's absolutely clear. Um, no matter who you talk to, that is something that we all can agree on. Um, and then we got to be able to, to treat economic, I'm sorry, environmental security like homeland security. I think Michigan, we actually have a really great opportunity to reframe how we talk about environmental issues. It's not some niche issue that only one party cares about. Um, it's about preservation of our way of life and the safety and security of our kids. If you can't feed your child a glass of water um, without knowing if they're going to get sick, that is a threat to your family. And if you can't fish the rivers that your grandfather taught you to fish in, that is a threat to your way of life. So um, we've done, you know, I've passed nine items into law 
as a new freshman congresswoman, six of them have been on PFAS um, and cleaning up PFAS in our areas. Um, so let me continue that work. Um, and then, you know, bigger than any one issue, um, pharmaceutical pricing, PFAS, water quality, um, manufacturing, it's, I guess, in an independently minded district um, where everyone has very, very different views on things, I hope to be a representative that hears everyone, that reaches out to everyone, that tries to hear all sides and makes independently minded decisions about pieces of legislation. I hope that people of this district want a, a representative who actually digs in and reads bills. Do you know how few representatives actually read these things? Um, and I hope that this district wants a representative that tries to lead based on integrity and duty to the Constitution. Those are my, my big lodestars. And um, that doesn't mean everyone will agree with everything I ever do, but I hope that they know that I'm doing this from a place of principle. Um, and I hope that they want that. What's your advice for the young people who are so important to our future that either might want to run like you did someday or just want to get involved in politics? So, listen, I think our young people are doing a pretty good job of showing that they're ready to lead. I mean, I participated in a protest in Lansing led by the NAACP, um, which is one of the most longstanding historical organizations in the country on race issues. And there was no speaker under, I mean, over 25. I mean, the young people, student leaders are like, they are here for it. Um, that said, in terms of preparing yourself for elected office or just to lead in general, you can't study it in a book. you got to put yourself out there, take a little risk and run for something now, like in student government, um, of the clubs, the extracurricular clubs. Um, you got to like take initiative and, and experience what it is to lead in order to sharpen those skills. Um, and, and to me, like, it's, it's just about putting yourself out there. And I still believe that in the United States, fortune favors the bold. If you're willing to try something and do something that maybe others are reticent to do, um, if you put your blood and sweat and tears into it, um, you're still going to succeed here more than anywhere else on the planet. Um, and so, but you got to put yourself out there. You can't just be commenting from the sidelines. You got to be the man in the arena, as the phrase goes, um, or the woman in the arena. And, uh, um, but that starts in whatever place you are in college, in high school, in grad school, you got to run for something you got to lead now in order to learn how to do it really, really well. Well, Representative Slatkin, thank you so much for telling us more about you, the person who serves Michigan State University in the U.S. House. And it's been great having you on the program today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. That's U.S. Representative Alyssa Slotkin, who serves the people of the 8th Congressional District of Michigan, which includes Michigan State University. Learn more about her at slotkin.house.gov and follow her on Twitter at Rep Slotkin. And I'm Russ White for MSU Today.